0: Hey, Mama. I know getting meals on the table for your family can feel tough, especially finding weeknight-friendly meals that everyone in the family will love. There's a good chance it's why you're here, at least I hope so. Helping moms take the stress out of feeding their family is my biggest passion. It's why I share with you here, and it's why I created the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. If you've ever wished this podcast came with a weekly done-for-you dinner plan with a shopping list and meal prep tips, or maybe a recipe library with over 200 family-friendly recipes, cooking tips, how-tos, and hacks, well, it does, and it's all in the Healthy Mama Cooking Club over on Patreon. Starting at just $3 a month for access to our 200-plus recipe vault with printable PDF recipes or $5 a month for weekly done-for-you dinner plans plus the recipe vault and bonus podcasts every month, the Healthy Mama Cooking Club is the dinner time solution you're looking for. Head to patreon.com slash healthymamacris or click the link in the show notes to try it out for a week free and join over 130 other busy mamas making weeknight meals work with the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. I can't wait to see you in there. All right, let's get on with the episode. If you wish you could spend less time cooking and still feed your family delicious, nourishing, home-cooked meals without hiring a private chef, I'm here to help. In today's episode, we are going to talk doable strategies for reducing your time in the kitchen with your day-to-day meals. Does cooking feel like a struggle more often than you want to admit? Do school lunches get boring after the third week, and even cereal for breakfast sometimes feels like too much effort, let alone feeding yourself and your family meals with vegetables they'll actually eat? If you're a busy mama like me, you can probably relate. I'm Chris Dovniak, and welcome to My Healthy Mama Kitchen! I'm a trained chef, culinary nutritionist, and mama of two, and I'm here to guide you in making healthy eating easy and accessible. By simplifying your meal plan, demystifying meal prep, taking the stress out of weeknight dinners, and helping you learn to cook your family delicious, nutrient-dense meals along the way without spending hours in the kitchen or thousands of dollars a month at Whole Foods. In this podcast, I'm here to share my best tips, tools, and hacks for your real-life healthy mama kitchen with a side of humor and sometimes a little bit of spice. So grab your favorite apron and let's get cooking. You might be thinking this is another episode on meal prep and it is an episode on meal prep, but today we're talking everyday meal prep because the truth is we all meal prep. Some of us just do it all right before we cook and some of us do a little bit of it ahead and some of us do a little bit of both. I think that's true for many of us who meal prep. Some meals we have some of the ingredients prepped ahead of time and some meals we are just starting completely from scratch. And in today's episode, I want to help you reduce your time in the kitchen overall whether or not you've prepped ahead because you've heard me wax poetic on how prepping ahead can help you to create your own convenience around meals. And I will always stand by my one-hour meal prep method and that doing a little ahead will make your meals easier and faster all week long. However, unless you're batch cooking, we still need to do some cooking throughout the week. So in today's episode and in honor of the Healthy Mama Cooking Club's one-year Patreon birthday, We're going back to basics here on the podcast and in Patreon, and I'm going to give you a ton of strategies for easier, healthier family meals. So today we are focusing on the everyday cooking, how to cook smarter, not harder, and how to reduce your day-to-day time in the kitchen. I'm going to give you 10 solid tips that you can employ starting today to reduce your time cooking in the kitchen. So let's dive in. Tip number one learn to read your recipes right. Now, before I give you this tip, I want you to know that you do not need to be cooking from recipes for every meal. In the next episode, I'm going to talk about Anchor meals, which is a concept I love and I'm excited to share with all of you about meals that are your go to meals. Those meals that you come back to week after week or at least every other week. And they probably don't have a recipe, but they anchor your meal plan each week and give you an option you know your family's gonna love. This is something that would naturally be on your family favorites list. So we're gonna talk about cooking without a recipe next week. But for now, let's talk about cooking with a recipe and how to do that the right way, because there is a right way. Many people start cooking a recipe by going to the directions first. Maybe they, well, hopefully, they bought the ingredients on the ingredient list, and then they abandon the ingredient list and go straight to the directions. Okay, I'm going to start by sautéing an onion, carrots, and celery in some oil. So they turn the heat to medium-high, and then they turn around and go start chopping their onion. That's not the way we want to do things, friends. I want you to think about reading a recipe like going on a road trip using GPS. You can just hit start and hop on the road, but especially if it is a long-distance road trip, like cooking something versus just throwing something together, it's really helpful to zoom out and look at the big picture so you have an idea of what direction you're going in, the turns along the way, maybe stops that you might want to make. You want to know the route you're taking so you know what's ahead. Is there a big traffic slowdown? Do you have to pause and rest something in the recipe? Is there a bridge or a tunnel you might need to navigate? Is there an ingredient you need to cook before you put it into the main recipe? Are there toll roads, etc.? When it comes to reading through a recipe, you need to know what type of equipment you'll need to get out, what cooking method or methods you'll be using. For instance, if you're starting something on a stove and finishing it in the oven, or if you need to cook something separately, like I said, before you put it in the main dish. So the first thing you want to do is read the recipe all the way through, starting with the ingredients. This will also give you clues as to what you need to do, your mise en place, which I'll talk more about later, but this is a French term that loosely translates to everything in its place. So what you need to do with the ingredients before you start cooking. Your ingredient list is telling you what you need to do with the food before you start the directions. The directions are not going to tell you to chop your onion and chop your carrots. The directions are going to tell you what to do with those already prepped ingredients. So you need to know how to prep those ingredients before you start the directions. So you're starting by reading the entire recipe through. This will also teach you what temperature you need to put your oven at if you're using the oven. And you can also take time to look up any techniques you might not be familiar with, like deglazing or chiffonading some basil. So reading a recipe the right way means starting by reading the ingredients first, because this will tell you what you need to do before you start cooking your mise en place. So with your mise en place in mind, knowing you need to get those ingredients prepped first and then start the recipe. Then you read the whole recipe through so you understand the temperatures, the times, and the cooking techniques. Knowing these ahead will make cooking so much less stressful because you're not going into it blind. It's so easy to feel overwhelmed by new instructions and new techniques when you're trying out a new recipe. This helps to prevent that. You'll know what's ahead. You'll know that you have to sear the pork and take it out before you make the sauce. You'll know you're gonna finish it in the oven. You'll know that the first part is only gonna take five minutes, but the stew needs to cook for 30, so you have that time to prepare sides or relax in the kitchen. It is so important to read the entire recipe through, starting with ingredients, then the instructions, and then do your mise en place before you begin cooking. So let's talk a little bit more about mise en place, which is tip number two. This is probably my number one tip for kitchen efficiency. And when I say mine... It is not mine. This is not a new concept. This is nothing I've created. This is one of the number one first things they teach you in culinary school, other than keeping your space clean. And I think the first thing we learned how to cook was eggs. Other than keeping your space clean and cooking eggs, it is mise en place. Mise en place is a French term that roughly translates into everything in its place. Remember that ingredient list I just talked about? It is going to tell you what you need to do to mise en place. Mise en place is prepping your ingredients, everything on that ingredient list, to what it says needs to be done. So whether it is peeled and chopped carrots or a diced onion or something else that needs to be cooked ahead of time, like a grain. Mise en place is the prep you need to do before you start the cooking process. This is what professional kitchens do. They have prep chefs come in. If it's a bigger establishment, if it's a smaller kitchen, the chef themselves or the chef de cuisine might come in early and do the prep ahead of time. But the reason why when you go to a restaurant and you order steak and potatoes and green beans, it comes out in 10 minutes, it's because all they are doing is flash cooking the ingredients and then cooking up your steak for you because everything else is prepped and ready to go. It takes hours to prepare for dinner service at a high-end restaurant. I worked in a high-end restaurant. I've been through this, and it takes a really long time to get everything prepped and ready to go. Now, it doesn't need to take a long time for you just prepping a dinner for your family, but what it does is make getting those meals on the table super fast, either for the patrons in the restaurant or for the people that are waiting for dinner at your house. I'm assuming it is your kids, your partner, or whoever might be there for dinner. Making sure you are cooking in the right order and doing your mise en place first is my number one tip for kitchen efficiency. So you are going to get everything in its place. You are going to peel. You are going to chop, dice, prepare everything on that ingredient list before you go ahead and cook the recipe. I want you to imagine two scenarios. In the first, you go ahead and dice your onion. You grab your saute pan, you put it on the stove, you turn that heat on, you add your oil, you let it heat up a little bit, you add your onions into the pan, you saute your onions, you look over to your recipe, it says now you have to add carrots and celery. So you turn around, you start peeling your carrots, chopping your carrots, all of a sudden you realize your onion's burning. So you turn around, you go and flip your onions, And then you come back, finish chopping your carrots, add your carrots in, realize they're supposed to go in the same time as the celery. You go, oh, shoot, turn around, chop the celery, add the celery in. At this point, your onions are basically burnt. Your carrots are not even cooked and you've just added the celery. So you add the celery. You continue to cook. You're trying to salvage your onions and you look at the recipe and you're like, oh, gosh, I've got to mince some garlic. So you turn around, mince the garlic. All of a sudden... Your carrots and your celery are browned in the bottom, but they're still kind of hard because you haven't been stirring them. You didn't coat them well enough with oil, and your onions are basically black at this point. And you're like, okay, whatever. What's next on the recipe? So you look at the recipe and you need to measure out a couple ingredients and chop some herbs. So you turn around, measure out the ingredients, chop the herbs. By the time you've turned around, your garlic is also burnt. Now, this is obviously an extreme representation of what would happen if you don't do mise en place. You might be a lot more organized in the kitchen than in this example. Maybe you prep your carrot, celery, and onion before, but you forget to measure out and prep the other ingredients. We're all at a different place when it comes to our cooking. What I don't want you to feel is ashamed if that is how you cook and you feel like you can't get anything right in the kitchen. If you were never taught this, then you don't know this. And I've seen it so many times. I've been teaching cooking classes for over a decade. So I want to assure you that you are not alone if any part of this scenario is something that you have experienced. What is going to help you to make this process so much more smooth is mise en place. So here is the second scenario. Before you go ahead and create your recipe, we're creating a soup I guess based on the example I gave you, I that was completely off the top of my head. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to create a soup. We're going to read through the entire recipe. We're going to read through the ingredients and the instructions. You know what's coming. In the ingredients it tells you you need to have one diced onion, two peeled and diced carrots and two diced stalks of celery. You also need to mince three cloves of garlic, measure out some broth and chop up some fresh thyme. So you're going to go ahead. You are going to chop your onion Peel and chop your carrots and your celery. You're going to put them in bowls. You can combine anything that goes in together, like your carrots and celery. But your goal is that you are going to have everything prepped and measured before you start cooking. So everything's prepped and measured. You can go ahead and you can turn on your saute pan. I did say it was a soup and we're sauteing in a saute pan. Okay, let's call it a Dutch oven. So you are going to go ahead add the oil to your Dutch oven, turn the heat on. You're going to add your onions. You're going to bring all of your ingredients next to your cooking station, okay? So you're going to add in your onions. You are going to saute them so that they are lightly golden, but they're not burnt. Then you're going to go ahead and add in your carrots and celery. You are going to stir them to coat them with the oil. You're probably going to season them a little bit because we season as we go, right? And then you're going to add in your garlic. Once those are starting to soften, stir that in. Nothing is burnt. Everything is in front of you. From there, you can go ahead and add in your broth and your herbs, maybe whatever protein you prepped for that soup. Maybe you're going to add in some tomatoes You're going to add in maybe some butternut squash that is going to simmer and cook with the soup. Whatever it is, everything is prepped and ready to go. And everything is so much more calm and efficient. When you're done, you can cover the soup, let it simmer, and you can go and do the dishes or do some reading with your kids or have a glass of wine with your spouse and just hang out while the soup cooks. It is so much more efficient and it is so much calmer. And my whole goal is always to help you feel less stressed in the kitchen. And mise en place will help you to do that. Tip number three, cook the longest item first. Work backwards when you're cooking. This is a meal prep tip I give all the time, but it goes for when you're cooking everyday meals as well as cooking multiple meals at once. If you're creating a meal with more than one component rather than a one-pot meal, instead of randomly choosing one component to start with, consider how you can use your time more wisely by starting one item when you work on the other items. For instance, doing your mise en place, getting the veggies roasting, then putting the rice on in the rice cooker, and then, while those are both cooking, getting the salmon ready. This way, everything comes out around the same time and you're not spending more time than you need to in the kitchen. This feels like an extra step, but it's a step that will save you a ton of time by figuring out, okay, what can I cook first and then fill in that time with another one of the meal components. Tip number four, cook smarter, not harder. This is one of the areas where meal prep can really help, but it doesn't have to be, again, prepping ahead, though that is a really huge help. Having items that take the longest already prepped will make a world of difference in your cooking efficiency. So I recommend if you are starting anywhere with prepping ahead, whether it's meal prepping or the strategy I'm going to share with you in just a second, I recommend prepping proteins and veggies ahead of time because these tend to be the areas that are the biggest time sucks when it comes to getting meals on the table, especially if you're not super skilled with a knife It takes a while to chop up veggies for a veggie-filled dinner, and protein is typically what takes the longest to cook. So one strategy would be to prep these ahead at the beginning of the week using the one hour meal prep method or any of the methods in my Healthy Mama Meal Prep course. Another would be to choose proteins or vegetables that you can double up for more than one meal so you're cooking once, eating twice, but eating different meals each night rather than just eating the same meal twice in a row. This is a strategy I employ all the time in the Healthy Mama Cooking Club weekly meal plans. The weekly meal plans I create in the Healthy Mama Cooking Club are not at all random. I pick the recipes so that I can as much as possible use what I call double up ingredients and or choose recipes that have similar ingredients so you don't have a lot of odds and ends in your fridge at the end of the week, so it's more budget friendly and it's also easier to prep because you can either prep again at the beginning of the week, or you can prep one ingredient the night before to use in the next night's meal. This is typically protein or produce or sometimes a sauce. I also take a lot of care to look at what the last week's meal plan might have left over so that we can use it up in this week's meal plan. Using similar ingredients and prepping them at the beginning of the week or a day or two before will save you so much time in the kitchen. So take into consideration where you might be able to double up protein or produce and do a little bit of prep ahead so that your meals are faster throughout the week. This is really helpful for days where you have a little bit more time to cook on one night and the next night you have less time to cook. One example of this in the cooking club is where we'll make a Mississippi pot roast with some garlic chive potatoes one night, and then the next night we'll turn the leftovers from the pot roast into a quick beef fried rice that comes together in 15 minutes. Super simple. Same thing with chicken tinga that you can make in the instant pot or the slow cooker and turn into tacos one night and enchiladas another night. So that's where you're using proteins, but the same thing goes for produce as well. Tip number five, keep a clean prep space while you're cooking. I know cooking can make a giant mess. And if you've ever been in one of my cooking classes, you know I am not the cleanest cook in the kitchen and I will never claim to be. But it is important to start with a clean workspace. Make sure your cutting board is clean. This is safer and easier to chop vegetables that way. Have a scrap bowl nearby to put any of your scraps in rather than constantly running to the trash can. And make sure you have several bowls to put your prepped items in to keep your cutting board clean and keep your workspace organized. This is going to keep you way more efficient in the kitchen. Now we're going to take a quick break to hear from this episode's sponsor. Tip number six learn to use your knives well. I have a whole tutorial in the Healthy Mama Cooking Club if you scroll all the way back to the beginning of the Healthy Mama Cooking Club on Patreon last year on basic knife skills, because I think this is a skill way too many of us haven't learned. Knowing how to use a knife well will increase your kitchen efficiency tenfold. Simply learning how to cut ingredients to the same size will make cooking better faster. Learning how to cut ingredients into smaller pieces will also make cooking faster. If you are afraid of your knife, it is time to learn to become friends with your knife. First of all, you need to make sure you are using a sharp knife. The sharper the knife, the less likely you are to cut yourself because it's not going to get stuck in things that are harder. You also need to make sure you are using a knife big enough for the job. If you are cutting sweet potatoes using a paring knife, I'm going to need to gently ask you to stop freaking doing that. You're going to cut yourself so bad. I'm joking, but not joking. Seriously. If you are afraid to use a chef knife because it's big and scary, you need to go ahead and listen to or watch that tutorial in The Cooking Club. Learn how to hold your knife the right way, choking the knife rather than holding it too far back and not having enough control, learning the rocking motion, making sure you are using the claw grip with your guiding hand so that you are holding on to whatever you are chopping the right way. You need to make sure you are securing your cutting board as well. This is so important. It is not safe if your cutting board is moving around while you're trying to chop something, especially something hard like winter squash or potatoes or sweet potatoes. I cannot tell you how many food influencers I see with a cutting board that's shifting around all over the place. Now, a little shift here and there is normal, but it should be as secure as possible. It's way easier to hurt yourself if your cutting board is not secure. So knowing how to hold your knife, using a sharp knife and securing your cutting board and learning basic knife techniques like how to dice and how to mince is going to make a world of difference in making your cooking happen faster. Tip number seven, piggybacking off of this, use your tools. If you have a food processor, you have one of the best tools for efficiency around. I have worked in many different types of professional kitchens and professional cooking environments. And every single one of them, except for one, because we were on a literal boat, uh, a large boat too. If I were working for like a private yacht, I would For sure, bring my food processor with me, but every single one of them had a Roboku, which is a large, heavy duty food processor we used for so much more than just hummus. If you have a food processor, obviously you don't need an industrial one. The one I have is from Cuisinart and it's like a hundred bucks and it works like a dream. You need to learn how to use the different blades on your food processor. And when you do, you can use your food processor to quickly chop mirepoix for soup and then your hands off. You don't need to chop those vegetables for soup. If it's in a soup, it doesn't really matter unless you're serving it in a high-end restaurant. They don't need to look perfect. The ingredients just need to be the same size. That's the most important thing when it comes to everything cooking at the same rate is that everything is the same size. You can grate vegetables to put in your five veggie meat sauce. You can chop cauliflower for cauliflower rice. And of course, you can use it for hummus and pesto and homemade mayo, sauces like that. The same thing goes with tools that might be collecting dust in your cupboard, like your rice cooker, which you can use for more than just rice. We have an entire episode. We I have an entire episode on the rice cooker, so I'll link that in the show notes if you want to learn how you can use your rice cooker. It's great for quinoa. It's great for millet. It works for many grains. Same thing with your Instant Pot. If you were really in on the Instant Pot trend in the beginning and then you kind of got off of it, pull out that Instant Pot. You can use it to cook grains in. You can cook a roast in half the time. I'm not saying you need to go out and buy new tools. I'm saying consider what tools you have. And if you might be in a little bit of a rut of using the same tools or the same cooking methods over and over again, and you might want to pull out your rice cooker or your instant pot or your slow cooker and start experimenting with different ways that you can use them either for meal components or for the entire meal to save you more time in the kitchen. Make sure as well that you are setting timers when you cook and that you're using a meat thermometer to ensure doneness rather than guessing. It is really easy to waste time overcooking your meat, not to mention you are also drying your meat out and making it way less flavorful if you are overcooking it and not testing it with a meat thermometer. I hate to break it to you, friend, but your meat is already dead. You do not need to kill it again. Okay? Use your meat thermometer, the temperatures that we get that we give as in, you know, recipe creators as well as you know the fda are for bacterial purposes we want to make sure that we are cooking it to the point where bacteria is no longer present however beyond that you're probably just overcooking your meat and i know that when we are trying to get dinner on the table and we're doing 10 things at once and we are trying to deal with kiddos at our feet and making sure homework is done and trying to do you know a million different things while we're cooking it can be easy to get distracted so rather than allowing yourself to get distracted, or you can allow yourself to get distracted, really, if you are using timers and using thermometers so that you are cooking just enough, not too much. And of course, also employing the other tips I mentioned, like reading the recipe right, mise en place, knowing those good knife skills, etc. In the same vein as tools, tip number eight is make sure you're using the right pans. I don't think you need to go out and buy new pans. I literally have like five pans that I use regularly. I have a couple more because I do also work as a personal chef. And so I do bring quite a bit of my equipment with me. But in the day to day, most often I am cooking things in a cast iron pan, wide shallow pans cook faster because a wider surface area means there's more of the pan directly touching the heating element. And if there's more surface area, it means that things like liquids reduce faster and you can brown food more quickly in a single layer. You don't have to use as many rounds of cooking of browning ingredients, right? So it's really important when you're cooking that you don't overcrowd your pan because things will not cook the way you want them to and they will take longer to cook. If the sides of your pan are too high, you end up steaming anything that's in there. Now, if that's your goal, then that's great. So like a brazier is wonderful for sautéing and then adding the ingredient, usually it's some sort of a meat that you are going to put in the oven because you want that steam. Braising is a combination cooking method. I talk about cooking methods in the cooking club as well. So a combination cooking method is a combination between moist heat cooking and dry heat cooking. Anything that is cooked with oil is actually a dry heat cooking method, not a moist heat cooking method. Moist heat cooking involves water. Now, if you are using a pan where the sides are too high and you're overcrowding the pan with something like vegetables, you are releasing liquid by evaporation and creating steam rather than sauteing where you are using the heat from the pan and the oil to cook your food. Your food is not going to brown or it's not going to brown as fast because you have to wait for that liquid to evaporate. It's going to take longer to get to your end goal if you're trying to brown something if you're using the wrong type of pan. Now, if you're making a soup or a stew or a braise, then go ahead. Steam those babies because it doesn't matter, it's going to be in liquid anyway, and sometimes adding the cover to the pan, a cover to the pan if you are say sautéing some carrot, celery, and onion, your mirepoix at the beginning, sauté it up a little bit, cover it. That steam will create that combination cooking method which will make it cook faster. But if you're trying to sear a steak, you don't want to do that because you're not it's not going to brown as well. If that Hopefully that makes sense. So use the right pan for the cooking method you are looking to do. Wide, shallow pans and not overcrowding are going to cook your food faster and help your foods to brown if that is the goal. If it is a soup or a stew or a braise, you can use those high-sided pans. Covering it will help to create that steam, which will help that to cook a little bit faster, but don't look for browning if you're doing that. All right, tip number nine. Let's talk temperature. Don't be afraid of cooking with temperature, with heat. If you're organized, you won't be burning things. This is the importance of mise en place. However, I also want to caution you not to just turn everything up to a million. You don't want to be overcooking your food either. Medium-high is usually ideal. You can turn it up a little bit if you want something a little bit more browned, but you, I would caution you to keep it at medium to medium-high at least until you're a little bit more experienced to know when then you have to turn that back down a little bit, okay? But don't be afraid to turn it up a little bit to get things cooking. Things are not going to cook if you cook everything on low. You're not going to brown things if you're cooking everything on super low as well. So turn up the heat a little bit, but you don't have to blast it with heat as well. As a side tip, never start anything in a cold pan or pot unless you're cooking bacon or potatoes. Make sure you are turning in that heat, you're adding that oil, you're letting it get hot before you put anything into the pan. A little splash of water will tell you that the pan is ready. If it evaporates immediately, the pan is ready to start searing or sauteing. With bacon, you want to start it in a cold pan or a cold oven. This will render more of the fat out of the bacon, which will make it crispier. And with potatoes, you don't want the outside to cook faster than the inside. So start it in a cold pot, bring it to a boil, and cook it from there, especially if you're cooking something where you want the potatoes to keep their form, like potato salad. And last but not least... I know that some of you are going to love this tip and some of you are never going to listen to me again. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Organize your kitchen. I need you to organize your kitchen. I want you to do it this weekend. okay? I know it's Monday when you're listening to this. You have the whole week to plan on how you can take an hour or two. Go get yourself a pumpkin spice latte and you're going to go ahead and you are going to organize your kitchen. Now, I'm not telling you you need to do a full kitchen reno. Now, if you need to use me and this podcast as an excuse for a whole kitchen reno, be my guest as long as no one comes after me. But I do need you to organize your kitchen lightly because one of my biggest pet peeves when I go into new kitchens and one of the biggest time sucks is having to sort through a ton of kitchen equipment you never use to find what you need to cook. So take this as your sign to clean your kitchen out, mama. I'm going to share a kitchen tour in the Healthy Mama Cooking Club later this month so you can see how I organize my kitchen for more efficiency. I've said for years I am a super minimalist in the kitchen, and I think working as a personal chef for so many years has taught me that you need less equipment than you think. So I want you to start going through your drawers and cupboards and remove anything you don't use weekly. Store it or donate it if you never use it and make sure the items you use regularly are easy to grab when you're prepping meals. So your kitchen utensils, I do keep them on the counter because I use them all the time. My knives are in a drawer underneath where we keep the cutting board. All of the pots and pans I use regularly are right across from my stove. I have a galley-style s- uh, kitchen, so that's where I keep them. The only things that are in my kitchen are the things I use weekly. I have some storage in our garage for things I don't use weekly or things I, work with pri- I use with private clients. And so for you, that might be things that you just use seasonally. You can rotate out your kitchen equipment so if you're not using your air fryer and it's the winter time or it's not winter time yet but it's fall time and you want to start doing more slow cooker recipes then rotate it out keep in your kitchen what you use regularly and store the things that you are not using regularly make sure that the things that you do use are really easy access because this is going to make your cooking that much more efficient I wanna give you one last bonus tip before I sign off, and that is to choose shortcuts that make sense. When we're talking about reducing your time in the kitchen, one of the best ways you can do it outside of meal prep is to choose some shortcuts when it comes to your meals. There's nothing wrong with having some shortcuts on hand for those extra busy nights. If you don't have time to meal prep, if it's a super busy week, or there's one area of cooking you dread, maybe it's chopping vegetables, this might be the place to choose shortcuts. Now, you will typically pay for the shortcut, so consider this when it comes to your grocery budget. Pre-chopped vegetables are much more expensive than vegetables that are not chopped. However, if it's going to get you to eat vegetables, then buy the pre-chopped vegetables. Just consider things that like pre-chopped vegetables aren't always the same size. They're usually chopped by a machine, so you might still need to trim them to the right size so they cook evenly. But again, there's nothing wrong with choosing shortcuts that make sense for you a lot of the shortcuts that we choose in our family are proteins that will pull together a quick meal. So things like chicken sausage or the Trader Joe's gyro or frozen meatballs. The Trader Joe's chicken meatballs are super delicious. Rotisserie chicken. There are so many different shortcuts that you can keep on hand or buy before busy weeks. Just be sensible about this. Make sure that the shortcuts are actually going to take you less time. A great example is the Aldi red bag chicken takes like 25 minutes. I can cook chicken faster than that. I don't it doesn't even feel like a shortcut to me. The Trader Joe's chicken takes a little bit less time. And I love any sort of breaded chicken in the air fryer. If you have it, it will be way crispier. But the moral of the story here is to choose the shortcuts that make sense for you and will actually save you time in the kitchen. And please start using the tips I shared with you today. Start with whatever one stood out to you the most. Make sure you are using knives that are actually sharp and you learn those knife skills. You are doing your mise en place. You're reading your recipes right. You are using the right pans. You're using the tools that you actually have. You're not afraid of temperature, but you're using timers and your meat thermometer to make sure that your food is done but not overcooked. And don't forget to organize your kitchen for more efficiency. I hope this was helpful for giving you some solid tips for spending less time in the kitchen day to day. For more, where this came from, including my kitchen tour, you've got to join us in the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. If you haven't already heard, the Healthy Mama Cooking Club's one year birthday on Patreon is this month. We have grown to a community of over 70 mamas and counting, and I've had so much fun over the last year creating and sharing delicious, family friendly recipes, weekly meal plans tips, bonus podcasts, and so much more over the past year. To celebrate the first year of the Healthy Mama Cooking Club on Patreon, we are celebrating all month long with lots of bonus content, including a Back to Basics cooking demo series, two bonus podcasts, a live virtual party complete with bonus recipes and prizes, a ton of new recipes, and so much more. So if you haven't yet joined the fun, this is like an extension of the podcast. If you love the content here on the podcast, but you want more video content, you want those weekly meal inspirations emails, you want recipes you can't find anywhere else, plus community favorites. You have got to join us in the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. It starts at just $3 a month, but you can get your first week totally free so you can check out the cooking club. You can scroll down and watch past cooking demos. You can get access to our recipe vault with over 110, I think it's almost 120 now, family-friendly recipes, and you'll get the weekly meal plan as well. So you can see how I set up the meal prep list. If you wanna do some meal prep ahead and the grocery shop, Shopping list And how I link all of the recipes and a super handy PDF that you can save to your computer or you can print out. You can use these meal plans over and over again, or you can just wait for the next week's meal plan to come to you and you will have more seasonal meal inspiration to your inbox every single week. So come and join us. Get your first week free at patreon.com slash that's patreon.com slash Healthy Mama Chris. Try out your first week of the Healthy Mama Cooking Club free and join us in our special Healthy Mama Cooking Club birthday celebration that's all for now for me today friends if you haven't yet subscribed be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast so you get the next episode next week we're talking about anchor meals the week after that we are going to be talking about fall shortcuts and there's so much more to come this fall on the healthy mama kitchen podcast i'm so grateful to have you here i hope this was helpful until next time happy cooking thank you I listen to a mama's podcast Friend, thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Healthy Mama Kitchen podcast. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you love to listen to podcasts so you never miss a cooking tip. If you've been loving this podcast, it would mean so much to me if you left a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It truly makes a difference in how many other busy cooks find this show and lets me know what you're loving and want to hear more of. For show notes and links to all the recipes and tools I mention, head to healthymamachris.com slash podcast. For daily eats, cooking tips, and family friendly shortcut dinner ideas, be sure to follow along over on Instagram at Healthy Mama Chris. Remember, cooking for your family may not always feel easy, but it can be simple.